Welcome to Commander U. I'm your host, Eric. On today's episode, we're beginning a series that takes each of the five colors and breaks them down in more depth than our previous episodes. But before we do that, just a reminder, Commander U is part of the Nerd Chambers network of shows. For more shows and news about all things nerdy, head to thenerdchambers.com. So what does white specifically do? We talked a little bit about it on our as our first or second episode, but today I want to look more in depth at some of the top cards that are played in white so you can get a better understanding of what that color is designed to do and in what space it'll operate best. To do that, we're going to use a resource I've talked about in the past called edhrec.com, and we're going to look at the top 10 most played white cards in Commander. Starting with number 10, we have Wrath of God. It costs four total mana, two white, white. Destroy all creatures. They can't be regenerated. So this is a creature board wipe. Literally nukes everything, including your own creatures, to reset the creature board state back to zero. As an understanding, EDH Rec has about 100, we'll call it 191,000 decks. This card is played in 13% of all decks. That's massive. It's played in almost 25,000 decks. It's one of the best um, board wipes in the game. Four mana is that sweet spot for board wipes. Five is average, usually. Um, but if you can get four, that's going to be awesome. Uh, it's a great card. I play it in a few decks. Nothing really else to say. It's just a board wipe. The ninth most played card is Return to Dust. It also costs four mana, two white, white for an instant. Exile target artifact or enchantment. But if you cast this card during your main phase... You may exile up to one other target artifact or enchantment. This card's also played in 13% of decks, but it's played in about a thousand more decks than Wrath of God. Honestly, this card's kind of getting power crept out of magic. I don't play it at all anymore. Uh, four mana is a lot. Yes, it's an instant, but you almost always want to play it during your main phase to get the two targets to exile. When really something that costs cheaper that takes care of one at a time is really just going to be a better option. Um, again, not really a big fan of this card. It's decent. If you got it, go ahead and play it. If you've got nothing else to take up a slot, again, we have 100 cards to choose from for your deck, so you do your thing there. The eighth most played card. This is a card I'm a big fan of. Teferi's Protection. It costs three total mana, two into white, for an instant until your next turn. Your life total can't change, and you have protection from everything. All permanents you control phase out. For those who don't know, while they're phased out, they're treated as though they don't exist. They phase in before your untap, during your untap step. Exile to Fairy's Protection. This card is absolutely bonkers strong. Uh, it's also very expensive. It's currently sitting at about $40. It is getting a reprint soon in, um, in an extra life charity campaign it's a secret layer you guys can look into that um, i won't promote that on here but teferi's protection is basically an anti-board wipe an anti-game losing card i have won games by an appropriately timed teferi's protection this card's also played in 13 percent of decks it's played in about 60 more than return to dust if it were cheaper i honestly think this could inch up towards the top five for most played white cards but it being $40 is very prohibitive to a lot of commander players, especially given that it's a more casual format where you just want to play with your buds. 
but yeah, Teferi's Protection is just an incredible card. Um, I, I consider it a white staple. If I had more copies, I would actually play it in every deck that's white, but I only have one copy because it's so damn expensive. But yeah, if you can get your hands on the Teferi's Protection, the card's going to put in work for you. Our next card, number seven, is Generous Gift. This is also an instant that costs three mana, two and a white. Destroy target permanent. Its controller creates a 3-3 green elephant creature token. So this is White's version of Beast Within, which is a green card that does something similar. This card is actually newer. It's only about a year and a half old. Um, yeah, it's pretty strong. I don't play it too much just because I play the better white cards that are above this. But it's definitely a strong card. Being able to destroy any permanent, including a land, and replacing it with a 3-3, which is pretty negligible in Commander, is a very strong effect. You can destroy someone's Gaia's Cradle, which is a land that can add one green for every creature they control, or their Cabal Coffers, or their Artifact, Enchantment, Creature, Planeswalker. Any permanent, you're basically turning it into a 3-3 green elephant. Excellent card. It's played in 14% of all decks, 26,000. And it's pretty affordable. It's only $2.50 on Card Kingdom. Great card. Great starter card. It's always going to put in work for you because it always, always, always will have a target. Number six. There's a card that surprised me that it was on here. It's Ghostly Prison. This also costs three mana, two and a white. For an enchantment, creatures can't attack you unless their controllers pay two mana for each creature he or she controls that's attacking you. This kind of ties into that taxation that I talked about in an earlier episode that White likes to do. This is their most iconic taxation card. People can't attack you unless they pay two for each creature. It's sneakily strong in casual games because two mana per attacking creature adds up fast. Very fast. Typically people will avoid you. This card can almost guarantee you second place at some tables, but can also get you targeted once they remove it. Um, if they realize you're playing these kind of um, taxation and hate effects. Again, not a card I play, personally. I don't like to slow the game down to that extent, because Commander games already take a long time. But if you want to play it, absolutely go for it. The card is played in 28,000 decks, 15% of all decks, and it's for a good reason. It's a very strong card. Now we're into our top five, and this is one of my earliest favorite Magic the Gathering cards. It's Sun Titan. It costs six mana. Four white white for a creature giant 6-6 six, six with vigilance. Whenever Sun Titan enters the battlefield or attacks, you may return target permanent card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. This card's sweet. It still holds pretty strong to the to <laughs> this card's sweet. It still holds pretty strong today. Six mana is a little bit on the high end given how fast Commander has become. But with that being said. It's still that strong. So many cards in Magic the Gathering that are bangers, including Ghostly Prison that we just talked about, are three mana or less. And you can get them for free when he enters the battlefield or attacks. And another thing that makes him so strong is he has Vigilance. So when he attacks, he doesn't tap himself so he can still block for you. And being a 6-6 six, six body for 6 with Vigilance is decently strong, all things considered nowadays. But add into that the fact that you can recur a combo piece or a lockdown piece or just a card you need to advance your board state, incredibly strong. Sun Titan is currently played in 19% of decks, so a 4% jump from the last card. 36,000 total decks on EDH Rec. That just goes to show how strong this card is. Now we're on to number four, 
This card is a classic Magic the Gathering card. It's Enlightened Tutor. It costs one white for an instant. Search your library for an artifact or enchantment card and reveal that card. You then shuffle your library and put that card on top of it. It's currently run in 23% of decks, which is 43,000 of them. Which is surprising because currently Enlightened Tutor, which hasn't had a printing in a very long time, is about a $50 card. And for good reason. There are incredibly powerful artifacts and enchantments in Magic. And like we'll talk about this later, white is mostly a support color. This is one of the best support cards that you can add to your deck because it's one mana to search for anything you need at any point in the game because it's an instant. Very powerful card. Not really much else to say about it. If you have one, play it. If you don't, I'd honestly wait for a reprint because I think it's going to be getting one soon. Well, now we're on to our top three. And this one probably isn't a surprise to many people. It's Path to Exile. It costs one white for an instant. Exile target creature. Its controller may search his or her library for a basic land card, put that card on the battlefield tap, and then shuffle his or her library. This card is played in 27% of every deck on EDH rec. And for good reason, Path to Exile is one of the best removal cards in all of Magic. Being able to exile allows you to get around indestructible, so things like your board wipes wouldn't be able to touch. The only reason Path to Exile is not higher on the list is because for a long time it wasn't printed as much as the number one card, which we'll get to in a little bit. I run Path to Exile in every white deck. It's incredibly powerful to be able to just get rid of any threat and trade it for a basic land that's tapped for your opponent usually is going to be worth it. Things like Emerit Liege, which is a 2020 indestructible flying tentacle monster. You can get rid of it and replace it with a basic land. Path to Exile is one of my favorite removal cards in the game. If you have it, I highly recommend putting it in any deck that can run it. It's currently only $2.49 on Card Kingdom. Again, I highly recommend this card. Number two is a newer card. It came out in, I think, late 2018, early 2019. It's Smothering Tithe. This is four mana, three and a white for an enchantment that reads, whenever an opponent draws a card, that player may pay two mana. If that player chooses not to, you create a colorless artifact token that has tap and sacrifice this to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Now, for the uninitiated, you may think, is that even that good? Holy cow, yes. <laughs> Smothering Tithe. Like I said, it's a newer card and it's been reprinted. It's still sitting at $22 on Card Kingdom. And for good reasons. Being able to play this card on curve on turn three or four allows you to create an extra two to three, maybe even six mana per rotation, depending on how many cards your opponents decide to draw. I know two mana doesn't seem like a lot, but if you're able to play this card early after searching it with like an Enlightened Tutor, you're going to be generating a ton of additional mana because your opponents don't want to lose their turns. You play this on turn four, they don't want to pay half their mana to be able to keep to to be able to negate the effect of you gaining that treasure, because to them you're only gaining one mana for their two. Pairing smothering tithe with wheel effects like wheel of fortune or windfall, which are cards that require everyone to discard their hands and draw equal to the greatest number of cards discarded this way is incredibly powerful because on the spot you generate like 20 to 30 mana. That's a little bit more fringe. Smothering Tithe in of itself is probably going to get targeted or get you targeted because it will project you so fast into the lead if left unchecked. 
that you're going to become public enemy number one. I didn't mention this, but the cards played in almost 65,000 decks. 34% of all commander decks for a card that came out about 18 months ago. If you can get your hands on a Smothering Tithe or you already have one in your collection, I highly recommend playing it. Awesome card. Great art, too. It's a guy uh, spitting out coins from his mouth because he's being taxed. So, yeah, play this card. And lastly, we have our number one card. If you haven't guessed it at this point, I'm going to tell you. It's Swords to Plowshares. This card costs one white for an instant. Exile target creature. Its controller gains life equal to its power. So very similar to Path to Exile. Path to Exile, remember, gives them a land. Swords to Plowshares lets them gain life equal to its power. Currently, Swords to Plowshares is $3.50, so it's actually more expensive than Path to Exile, which is surprising, because for the longest time it wasn't. This card is... Take what I said about Path to Exile and apply it to Swords to Plowshares. This card's incredibly powerful. I prefer it to Path to Exile because life gain is negligible to me, where a land could sway the tide of battle at one point or another. This card is played in over 100,000 decks. More than half the decks on EDA track, 52% of them. It's so splashable. Any deck that has white will be able to play this card because it only costs one white mana and can handle any threat. Any indestructible creature, gone. Any combo piece creature, gone. And at the cost of your opponent gaining a little bit of life, I definitely think that's worth it. So what do the top 10 cards from white tell us? Well, they kind of give us a picture of what white is. White is a very supportive color because it can handle a lot of different things. Its top applications are destruction, taxation, protection, and recursion, which you saw in all top 10 of those cards, including one card search card, but tutors are incredibly powerful in magic. I'm sure when we get to the other colors, you'll see more of the same. The weakest aspect of white is card draw, being able to keep the gas going. In the top 10, not a single card in there drew you cards. Yes, one searched cards, but it didn't even search into your hand. It searched to the top of the deck. So while Wizards of the Coast is working on printing cards in white that can help it draw, it's not happening at a rate that white needs to stay as a top color. I do think white's incredibly powerful in that it's cards that you can splash into decks can change the course of a game. But white by itself just isn't doing a whole lot to set its footing in Commander as a dominant force. Now we're going to get into the top five mono-white Commanders. So you guys can kind of make your decisions on if you want to build white or if you want to splash white. Whatever you want to do, I'm just here to inform you. Number five, Darien, King of Kjeldor. He's a legendary creature human soldier that costs six mana, four white-white. And his effect reads, whenever you're dealt damage... You may create that many 1-1 one, one white soldier creature tokens. And he's a 3-3. Three, three. So a 3-3 three, three for 6 admittedly is terrible, but his effect is very, very strong. Whenever you take any damage, you create that many 1-1s. One, now, typically what people are going to do when they see that is just probably avoid you until they can either kill Darien or kill you with one attack. Which is not necessarily a bad thing because it allows you to accrue resources and maybe potentially tax the board even more with different cards until you can set yourself up to win the game. 
Now, Darien being a 3-3 is a little problematic because there are cards that can get rid of them easier, like a Lightning Bolt or a cheap Toxic Deluge. But again, Mono White has access to so much protection, magic, and ways to recur your creatures that it shouldn't be a huge deal. Not too much else to say about this commander. Pretty simple, but a decent one to build around for your first deck because he's very straightforward. The fourth most played Mono White commander is God Eternal Oketra. This costs 5 mana, 3 white white for a legendary creature, Zombie God, 3-6. She has double strike, and whenever you cast a creature spell, create a 4-4 black zombie warrior creature token with Vigilance. And whenever God Eternal Oketra dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into your library third from the top. Now, typically in Commander, you don't want to actually use that last part. Um, the first two parts are huge. So her having double strike basically means she's actually a 6-6 six, six because she's going to hit twice whenever she attacks. But it's her, her you can call it an anthem or, or enchantment effect, if you will. Whenever you cast a creature spell, create a 4-4 black zombie warrior creature token with vigilance. So a lot of what Oketra decks run are cards and creatures that return creatures to your hands that cost low amounts of mana. For instance, we'll use one as an example. White Main Lion costs one and a white for a creature cat that has flash, meaning you can cast it anytime you can cast an instant. When White Main Lion enters the battlefield, return a creature you control to its owner's hand, which technically can be itself because it's not another creature. So basically for two mana, when you cast White Main Lion, you create the 4-4. Four four. Then you can return the White Main Lion to your hand. So for two mana, you're creating a 4-4 four four with Vigilance, which is incredibly powerful. Being able to put a 4-4 for free and maintaining that card in your hand to be able to redo it again is powerful. Remember, white doesn't have a lot of ability to draw cards, so anything that can recur itself and generate value for you for almost no mana, incredibly powerful. I had a buddy that used to play this deck and it was strong, fast, and very hard to deal with once it got off the ground, unless you had a board white. Our number three mono white commander is Tashar, Ancestor's Apostle. This is a four mana, two, two, costs three and a white for a legendary creature, Bird Cleric, that has flying and reads, whenever you cast a historic spell, historic spells are artifacts, legendaries, or sagas, return target creature card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So very similar to Sun Titan, where it returns something with converted mana cost three or less from the graveyard to the battlefield but with a little more restriction in that you can only get a creature and you have to cast artifacts, legendaries, or sagas to trigger that. I've actually never seen a shard deck in the wild, so it kind of surprised me that uh, it was number three on the list, but I can see a lot of potential power with this. Again, white's very strong at recurring cards from graveyards, which is kind of where it gets its card value um, and comboing off from there. Not one that super interests me because the grave theme is something you see so often and I feel it's too prohibitive with its um, requiring the historic spell. But it must be pretty popular and strong for 690 decks to be made on the website. Our second most played mono white commander is Heliod Suncrowned. He costs two and a white for a legendary enchantment creature god, 5-5, five, five, that has indestructible. And as long as your devotion to white is less than five, Heliod is not a creature. So devotion is how many total pips, how many white pips you have on the battlefield. Heliod does count towards that. So you need four additional pips 
on the battlefield for him to become a creature. Whenever you gain life, put a 1-1 counter on target creature or enchantment you control. And then he has an activated ability that costs one and a white. Another target creature gains lifelink until end of turn. When Heliac got printed, people immediately saw an infinite combo interaction with Walking Ballista. Walking Ballista costs XX when it enters the battlefield and enters the battlefield with X11 counters on it. And you can remove a 1 1 counter to have Walking Ballista deal one damage to any target. So the combo is you have Walking Ballista enter the battlefield as a 2 2, and then you activate Heliod's ability. Another target creature gains lifelink until end of turn. You then remove one of the two 1 1 counters from Walking Ballista to have it deal damage to any target. Because it can't deal damage, and Heliod's effect reads whenever you gain life, put a 1 1 counter in target creature control. Because Walking Ballista has lifelink, it dealt damage, so you gain life, which then triggers Heliod to put a 1 1 counter back on Walking Ballista. So now you're back to 2. You remove the 1 1 counter for Walking Ballista, deal damage to any target. You gain life. Put a 1 1 counter back on Walking Ballista. Basically, you machine gun the entire table down and leave charred, burnt corpses in your wake. Not super fun and interactive, but incredibly powerful. Um, there are also other ways you can build Heliod. We have one guy in our playgroup. He has like life gain synergies around his Heliod. And holy cow, those creatures get very big, very fast with the life gain. White has a lot of ways to gain life in different instances. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, whenever your opponent attacks, whenever an opponent's creature enters the battlefield... Things get big and out of hand very fast if you can't control it, which makes Heliod also a great casual commander as well as a competitive commander. Lastly, we have Sram, Senior Edificer, as our most played commander. He costs one in a white, legendary creature, dwarf advisor, 2-2. Two, two. Whenever he casts an aura, equipment, or vehicle spell, draw a card. The most played white commander is a commander that lets you draw cards. Need I say more? SRAM is typically a pedal to the metal kind of deck. You're going to play a lot of zero drop artifacts to constantly draw cards until you hit your combo pieces to win the game. Um, again, white has a lot of ways to control the battlefield, so you're eventually going to draw into your control pieces, which will help protect your combos and allow you to win the game from there. Super simple commander. I actually run him in the 99 of a different deck because he allows me to draw cards whenever I play my equipment spells. Um, getting one for one like that is excellent value because you never run out of gas. And in a SRAM deck, you almost never run out of gas because you're constantly replacing almost every card you play. If not, you're running things like Pure Steel Paladin, which is two white for a 2-2. Two -two. Whenever an equipment enters the battlefield, draw a card. So you draw two cards whenever you play an equipment. And there's tons of zero-drop equipments in Magic. You're going to constantly draw cards and eventually just outvalue your opponent and win the game from there. The strategy is very fragile as without SRAM on the battlefield, you don't, the deck doesn't really do a whole lot. Um, but again, it's pretty popular, 875 decks, and it's the most played mono-white commander. Although I think that's because it draws you cards and that's pretty much the biggest draw. If Wizards is able to print another white commander that lets you draw for, I don't know, gaining life, or whenever you destroy an opponent's creature, draw a card, things like that, I think you're going to start seeing white gain a lot more power. <clears throat> so, as you saw with their commanders, very similar to their support cards, with the exception of SRAM letting you draw cards in that taxation, recursion, all that fun stuff.
So as we mentioned a few times in this episode, white struggles with maintaining card advantage with your opponents, which is why as a mono color, it's not super strong. That's not saying you can't build a strong white deck. I've seen a few in the wild. I've played against one in my pods. It's just going to struggle if people know what to move and when to move because you can't recur cards or draw cards without certain pieces on the board or without certain engines online. Making white pretty frail. It has been getting a lot of love from Wizards of the Coast this year with things like play lands off the top of your library or search for lands if your opponents are ahead of you. But that's the thing. With white, you're already playing from behind and the only way you're going to catch up is if you're playing from behind. That's why typically you're going to see white as a support color in a multicolored deck, which is why things like Path to Exile, Smothering Tithe, and Swords and Plowshares were the three most played white cards, because universally speaking, those cards are excellent. That's going to do it for our color comprehension episode covering white. Next week, we're going to move down the color pie and talk about blue, which is one of the most popular colors in Magic. As always, guys, Commander and You is part of the Nerd Chambers network of shows. For more news about all things nerdy, head to thenerdchambers.com. I will talk to you guys next week when we talk about blue. I love you guys. Have a great day.